learning is not just about academics. It's about life experience and exploring what interests you and what, you know, gives you life. You know, there's opportunities. I think it can be scary to think, oh, we're forced into this. But at the same time, there's different opportunities that are presented in online learning that might not necessarily come about in a traditional school setting. Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. So today is an extra special fun episode for all my moms out there. Today I interviewed Angeli Harris and Sarah Lloyd of Mountain Point Academy. It's an online accredited digital school and we talked about all the things I'm preparing, getting ready for the school year. Some of you probably are already back in school here in Virginia. We don't go back to school until after Labor Day. So for us, that's next week on the 8th. But we really just kind of talked about, you know, they've been doing this for 10 years and just kind of like how that shift happened. And, um, you know, online school used to be a choice, right? It used to be like an alternative and now it's a necessity. And we kind of navigated that. They shared amazing tips and tricks on, you know, the things that they've learned doing this on how we can help our kids today as we navigate through. And again, their um, online school is called Mountain Point Academy. So go check them out. It's mountainpointacademy.com. And I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. For me, it was just really kind of a spaced kind of event and hash out all the things that I'll be dealing with as my kids go back to school. And I am thankful that I do have this space to help them out a little bit now that I'm not working and all the things, but still mentally, you know, it's a lot to get used to because it's just something that a lot of us haven't traditionally had to deal with. So I think they shared some really, really good tips and tricks, things that I applied to myself that I forgot, you know, make sense for my kids too, and will work perfectly in the situation as well. So check it out. Again, it's Mountain Point Academy and Angelie Harris and Sarah Lloyd are the owners and I'll put all their contact information in the show notes in case you guys want to reach out, learn more about their school or get some great, amazing tips. Um, they're wonderful, amazing ladies. I've known Angelie for a while now and she's super helpful and yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you really learn a lot. I got a lot out of it today. So enjoy. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm super pumped today. I have a really cool interview that I think is going to be interesting and helpful for a lot of people out there. So today I have Angelie Harris and Sarah Lloyd of Mountain Point Academy. It's an accredited online school. So ladies, online schooling, I'm going to keep my opinion to myself <laughs> and, and let you introduce yourselves us a little bit about that. Yes, so we are an online school serving grades 6 to 12. Um, we've been doing this now for a couple years, so uh, we both have a background in online education. Uh, let's see, I think it was 2010 when I started in online education working for online schools and um, ended up meeting Anjali as well at one of the private online schools that we worked for. And we both kind of had our own little path. You know, we both worked in that field for a while. I went to the curriculum side for a bit. So did Ange. And then um, she went to the, actually to the college side of things. 
And then we met back up and after a while we decided, you know what, we could, we could do this. Uh, we could do this on our own. So we ended up having conversations about starting up our own private online school. And here we are. We've been around since uh, early 2018 and just officially got accredited uh, in January of this year. So it's been a long road to accreditation, um, but it's been a fun one and one where we're learning a ton and ton of things along the way. Um, but yeah, we just absolutely love what we do and we're excited to have this conversation and tell you a little bit about us and hopefully help parents or whoever else has questions about online education. I know it's just so tricky right now navigating these waters. <laughs> yeah. And I'm super impressed. I think it's really cool that you guys started it in a time where like, I didn't even know what the word pandemic even meant back in 2018. <laughs> so to think that you guys were already pioneering this idea back then before, any of us knew how much it would impact our lives is really, really cool. Um, what kind of, what did that look like? So let's play with that idea for a minute. Like a couple of years ago, what did online schooling look like and how have you seen it shifted now? And like, how has it impacted you guys or what are some of the things that people are like learning and struggling with now as where before I feel like it was probably more of a choice and now it's well, yeah. a necessity. <laughs> yeah. So true. Well, and I think the, the cool thing about, you know, Sarah and I having uh, about a decade's worth each of experience in the online space is that we've kind of been with online digital learning since its infancy. You know, we've, we've helped yeah. two other online schools in their initial stages to get started, um, whether that's choosing curriculum, figuring out how systems work, making it more efficient for students. And now, you know, like you said, it's it, in the past, it's been a choice of, oh, hey, my kid's struggling. They're getting bullied at school. I don't want them to have to go to a traditional school setting. Now it's kind of, oh, crap, <laughs> do I want to send my kid to school and risk them getting sick or, you know, all the things that are along with this. And so maybe for them, it's just, well, online's a better option, even though it's not ideal. And I think that's where you know, there's opportunities. I think it can be scary to think, oh, we're forced into this. But at the same time, there's different opportunities that are presented in online learning that might not necessarily come about in a traditional school setting. Um, so for instance, opportunities like, hey, we can make school be three hours a day, and then we'll free up some time to develop you know, interests and talents and spend time together as a family and learn together. And, you know, it, it opens up a world of opportunities for families and parents. And something that we truly believe in at our school is that, you know, learning happens outside the classroom. Learning is not just about academics. It's about life experience and exploring what interests you and what you know, gives you life. And so we offer opportunities for students to actually get credit for activities that they're doing outside the classroom. Whether that's, hey, I'm participating in team sports, I dance, I do theater, I'm taking music lessons, photography, you know, whatever that may be, we can work with these students to then get them credit for school and kind of light a fire for learning and just excitement for learning um, for them to continue and hopefully just have greater success in their academics as well. Yeah. And I think that's a shift on how, um, you know, to go back to the question is, is how it's changed over the years is when we were first starting with online schools, you know, it was very much, um, 
just digitized curriculum. Uh, a lot of the curriculum is, is similar, but we've actually been with one of the curriculum providers that we use and have seen the changes that they've made over the years. Where in the beginning, it was kind of like, all right, enroll the student in a class. Um, very little human contact throughout the way. Just um, they're kind of just on their own. We get we yeah. set up courses, we put them in, um, and then see you at the end of the course. Hope, hope it goes well, you know. And <laughs> yes. um, and I think things have really shifted. We're trying to be as innovative as possible in that way, but we understand the value of actual human contact. And so that's something that we've adjusted over the years, and I'm sure other online schools are doing the same. At least schools that are set up to be online. Um, I think we need to note the difference between a school like ours that is set up from the beginning to be online, to be a virtual school mm. and what's happening now within the public school districts where they, most of them aren't set up. No, they're not. Online. And so <laughs> no, not. it's a very different animal. Um, I don't envy the teachers who are being put into that position right now in public schools because that's not what they signed up for. That's not, you know, um, the teachers that we hire and other online schools hire are excited about the innovation and pushing the boundaries of online education. And they know exactly what they're getting into. And um, they're helping to make that those systems better where a lot of the teachers now are just like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to get through this? Like, I have no idea. Some of these teachers are probably older and mm -hmm. aren't the best with technology either. So, um I do feel for the families and the schools that are going through this situation right now, um, because they're all just kind of learning the stuff that we've spent the last 10 years perfecting. They're first really starting to jump into it now. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a lot. Yeah. I, de I definitely don't envy the teachers. I think our school system did a pretty good job of figuring it out the best that they could and, you know, making videos and putting together the lessons. But I absolutely can't even imagine because, you know, me being the parent, I'm just dealing with my own shit <laughs> of like, okay, right. now I have a job that's from home. And now I have two kids who have to learn from home and none of us know what we're doing. And of our generation, I am so grateful that we know how to use technology. And like my kids basically live on technology. They're basically computers at this point right now. <laughs> They've been on for so many months. But yeah, I cannot imagine that. And what I think is really unique, what you guys have said is you've always been set up for this. And this is what you've been quote unquote perfecting. And I think that's really huge. And Angelie, back to something that you said that my husband and I were actually just talking about last week is... You know, I'd recently lost my job. So we've been having a lot of money conversations around building wealth and like, how can we maximize our savings right now and things like that. And I was like, how come I know algebra and trigonometry, but no one ever taught me about my 401k or no one ever taught me how to do stocks or how to balance a checkbook, stuff that I would actually have to use every day in real life. Right. So what you were saying about those skills, I think that's so, so, so true. And now that parents are forced to be home with their kids learning this, I think there's a big opportunity. And I think nothing but good things will come out of it where a lot of us will realize, oh, that's great. I'm so glad you know all these things. And I know you know how to do math five different ways than I was ever taught. But here, let's work on some life stuff too. Right, exactly. Like I've been teaching my daughter all kinds of cool stuff, like basic stuff. I'm like, hey, here's how to cook and things like that, that my mom didn't have time to do because she was working. 
So hence, I don't even know how to cook until my thirties when I am forced to like cook for myself. And I, I know that sounds simple, but to me, that was something I always wish I had the opportunity to kind of learn when I was younger. But when you're in the hustle bustle of everyday life yeah. and both your parents work and you're just getting mm-hmm. schlepped back and forth between school and activities, it's those basic skills that a lot of us don't get. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. I mean, I just think back, like you said, when I was in school and it was literally you you get up first thing in the morning, you go to school, you're there all day. And all then immediately day. after school, it's, you know, for me, it was sports. I was an athletic, so I had practice. Then came home, try to grab a quick bite to eat or eat in the car on the way. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, now try to do homework. Homework. Mm-hmm. is the time to actually dive into the stuff that you want to learn and the things that make you excited about learning you know like kids aren't given an opportunity to do that in a traditional school setting um and so yeah experiential learning is huge I mean I would have given anything to learn how to like change the oil on my car you know yes like that Basic like, stuff. if you yeah. don't learn it like if somebody doesn't teach you then you're just you know a lot of times you just never learn it or you figure it out as you go and uh, there's just so many valuable skills that we could be teaching our kids yeah. and well, <clears throat> and then so not to cut you off, sorry, sorry. No, um, but that's what's cool too about, you know, the online space is that part of the accreditation process for digital schools is they want to see the innovation and kind of the, mm. you know, growth of how students can learn. And it's really exciting to kind of be in that space and see, okay, how can we do this? And part of the reason why Sarah and I founded Mountain Point Academy was you know, we wanted it to be a relationship-based holistic approach because we truly believe that as students feel success in their own lives, you know, and and their self-esteem and their confidence is good, then they're going to start feeling that success in their academic lives. And then they'll think, oh, I am smart. I can do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because a lot of times kids just get bogged down with, well, this is too hard. I don't understand it. I'm stupid. You know, you hear those, those negative thoughts that kids tell themselves because yeah, maybe math is just not their thing. You know, I know it was not mine, (laughs) not mine, (laughs) definitely not my thing because she's a math person, but you know what I'm saying? So yeah, finding those opportunities to, okay, how can we make math exciting for you? You know, what kind of real world application can this math have so that they can, you know, make that connection and yeah, just build the success and and like Sarah said freeing up the time to learn those real life skills because ultimately the goal for us as a school is for these students to be able to be successful adults right Mm -hmm. that's that's Mm -hmm. the whole purpose of teaching these skills is so that they can contribute to society as their adults and have the confidence to do so and so yeah if they're learning these real world applicable skills they're going to have better creative thinking. They're going to have better critical thinking and they're just going to be better prepared for the world after high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was, mean, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I always joke um, at work. I'd always say like, my goal is to raise kids who aren't assholes that you have to work with one day. Like right? that's literally Amen. my goal. Cause yes. I believe that anyone can learn anything. Like I say, I'm not good at math, but if the situation came and I had to really learn it to an extent, I could learn enough to get by but really let's use someone else's talents. And if we're just not assholes at work, we can get so much stuff done and have an amazing life together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I love that philosophy because it's true. Like, yeah, just learning how to be a team player even, you know, is, is huge as well. Yes. Yeah. That, that's, those are so, such big skills that I'm not sure, you know, that people put enough um, value on. 
Yeah. So, okay. so Sarah, what were you going to say? Well, I lost my train of thought now, but it's okay. I just to go along <laughs> with that is it'll come back to me. Don't worry. Um, you know, just like you were talking about learning those skills. That's something that we've been having a ton of conversations about is, all right, how can we incorporate collaboration between students, peers, um, you know, just critical thinking skills. Um, we're in the information age where it's really no longer about just listening to a lecture remembering and regurgitating mm-hmm. like there are other skills now that you need to apply in this in this age so how do you determine if a source is credible you know stuff like that so uh, there are yeah. different sort of skills that we need to be teaching our kids and we've been really trying to innovate and, and figure out ways to better do that incorporating a lot of projects where instead of just um, students hearing a teacher lecture about it okay go interview somebody you know, go interview somebody in that area of expertise, learn from other people. And then um, just trying to get students to teach other kids as well, just because there's so much learning that happens when you are able to take what you've learned and then teach it to others. So we're just trying to incorporate different ways of learning and trying to cater to um, the different styles that student have, students have of learning. So um, like I said, whether it's the project-based learning or trying to incorporate competency-based education to where students can really focus on the stuff that they don't know. If they know something, why spend time practicing and doing busy work on it? We can kind of push you through that stuff and really focus on the stuff you need to focus on. So we just try to take that really individualized approach where we're looking at every student as an individual person. So you're not having to keep up with your class of, you know, 30 kids or whatever it is. That's something that makes us a lot different than the virtual school that parents are having to go through right now with the public schools is um, hopefully, you know, most of them are figuring out ways to make it work. But a lot of parents I've talked to say that their kids still are required to log in from like eight to four. Yep. It's like, holy cow, like you you're going to have a kid sit in front of a computer all day, you know, and, and, and you're still in there with, you know, your teachers maybe has like a, a zoom call with their other yeah. students and they're trying to still teach the instruction via zoom to all these kids. And now it's even more difficult than in a classroom because you don't know their environment. You don't know yeah. what kind of environment they're in. It's just so much more is out of your control as a teacher. But with us, it's just, it's totally different. You know, the students do the instruction on their own time it's completely self-paced and then the contact that they have with their mentor or their teacher is one-on-one and it's weekly and you and we sit down with them and we set goals we find out what's your long-term goal what do you want to do after high school what do you like to do you know what are your interests can we capitalize on that can we, can we get you some school credit for the stuff you love to do um and then yeah and then break it down into smaller goals just it's just so much more individualized. And I think that's what really makes our program cool. And why we do it is just to see the change in some of these kids at, like, when somebody really invests in them. And mm-hmm. they're not just another number, just another kid that's just being pushed through the system. It's like, all right, you're supposed to maybe be at a seventh grade level, but you're maybe a little bit below or you know, below what average should be. It doesn't matter. You know, you can go at your own pace and we'll build up those skills and get you to where you you need to be. And there's no comparison to anybody except for yourself. Yeah. I I hate that because my daughter, so my son is like off the chart. He's really good at memorizing, regurgitating. So he's in the gifted program. I mean, he's smart and creative, but it's easy to get seen when you're good at that. And then my daughter on the other side 
is more creative, more flowy, more social, and she keeps getting in trouble. So then now that's tattooed. She's not good in school. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? She's the most creative person in this room. And I absolutely refuse to kill that because I feel like so much- <laughs> you have your whole life Thank without you. being killed. Thank you. I love yeah. that. I and and please don't ever kill that. That's amazing. It's just, she's smart in a different way, not the way that she's expected to be, right? But yep. creativity. She's internalized I mean, it. Yep. She's internalized it at seven. She's already started to internalize that she's not like everybody else. So her defense mechanism against that was to socialize and to talk and to like avoid work at all costs. Yeah. But now that she's been home and we've been home together, even when I was working, like I could start to see this and have these conversations with her. So like, there is a piece of me that believes it's definitely a blessing in disguise that I don't have a job right now. So I can get her started because I do think this is going to boost her confidence. And then whenever we do get back into a traditional school setting, it will help. But I was like, okay, Katie, don't ask them to counsel you on this <laughs> interview, but I just got this schedule and hers is from nine to three. And immediately I went like, okay, that means I'm sitting at a table with her from nine to three, because again, she's seven and no seven-year-old has the attention span to sit in front of a computer that long and do work all day. Yeah. That seems like a lot. Yeah. That's aggressive, right? And throughout... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was say I'm going to give them a shot. We're going to see how this goes. But I was like, okay, what if I hadn't have lost my job? And my husband and I both work. And exactly what hours do we work? Uh, nine to three. Well, you know, nine to five, but still nine yeah. to three is your whole day. And I was like, how do they expect this to happen? And I'm going to give them a shot and see how it goes. But they have like Zoom meetings throughout the day. She's basically has a job because I was like, yeah. you basically, you have meetings throughout the day. And, and then I was just thinking to myself, like for parents, like how, how, does society expect us to navigate this? Like, so, well, I do have some. I do have uh, something that I've heard from other families that are doing the public school version of virtual school right now, and they've been organizing pods. Have you heard of those? Yeah, I do. So, I mean, we we have some in our neighborhoods, but then I'd have to like interact and share <laughs> each other people's kids. <laughs> and that's yeah, all another yeah. <laughs> It's like the best like solution I've seen for working parents. Cause I mean, really, what do you do? What do you do? You're stuck. You're, you, you can't just leave a seven-year-old at the computer all day. So I feel for you. Like yeah. some of these parents are just at a loss. So maybe that's my new job is I should just start homeschooling on the neighborhood's kids. No, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, pay me. I'll be the teacher. I'll watch this. And, yeah. Yeah. But Usually you know, I, I think, help me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think the biggest thing for parents is, and we've said this before is to give yourselves grace. You know, there might be this, schedule for students and it's not going to be perfect like it, yeah it's yeah. you know seven years old five-year-olds like you're you're not going to keep them on a computer for that many hours and so you know break up the monotony a little bit you know when you're taking a break you know for working parents when you're taking a break okay go dance with them for 10 minutes you know put on a fun song have a little dance party make sure you have those movement breaks you know break up that monotony so that they can kind of get it, the jiggles <laughs> out of their yeah. system and then hopefully sit back and focus for a little bit more. So I think, you know, frequent breaks and then just conversations at night, like, Hey, how did today go? You know, what, what was hard? What do you want to try differently tomorrow? How can I help you? You know, and, and, and those opportunities in and of themselves are awesome ways for kids to learn communication skills. 
you know, yeah. because in today's day and age, like, unfortunately, some of that social and, and ability to communicate is being lost because of, you know, social media and technology because they're just glued to their phones. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, it's, it's a way for students to, and, and parents to connect with their kids and say, okay, this is how, this is how we communicate. Let's, let's learn how to talk. And what do you need from me? How can I help? You know, and, and like you said, it's, it's kind of a blessing in disguise. I know as much as yeah. this pandemic has sucked, it's really given families an opportunity to kind of reconnect with their kids. And like you said, kind of teach what's most important, you know, yeah. like let's learn the real life skills. Let's learn things that are going to help you that. Yeah. 10 years from now, you might not need to know geometry, but you will know, need to know how to yeah, work as a team and cook for yourself, do laundry, be independent, you know, things like yeah. that. It's I know I was telling myself to use this as an opportunity to drive what I really need or what our family really needs or any family really needs in our school systems because we're so used to society of people just handing us the rules and we're just going to follow them. But now you've really given us the control back. So we should take it and really mold it into something beautiful and great. And I told myself since I have a little bit more time on my hands that I could be a little bit more proactive because I do believe that the school system probably is reaching and grasping just as much as the parents. Totally. They just have to show up in a different way than we do. And they have to show up publicly where we just have to figure this out behind the scenes privately. And, um, you know, like, you know, Sarah mentioned the pods and things like that, like getting these families together to speak out to the schools and let them know what's working and what's not working. So I said, I'll give it a shot. We'll see what that 93 schedule looks like. But if it doesn't work, then guess what? I'm, you know, perfectly capable to figure this out on my own and to make it work for us. But I love your idea about the breaks and the dancing. That will help out a lot. <laughs> I need all that advice. So keep it coming. Especially well, especially for that age group. I mean, with our school right now, we work with grades 6 to 12. So the little bit older group of kids. But I mean, if... Even adults, it's hard to sit in the yeah. computer that long. You need, I mean, especially kids, they need physical activity. So that's, I think, huge. Is yeah. Anytime you can take a break, that's going to help reset, you know, reset yourself mentally too, is to just step away from the screen for a little bit and get get all that energy out and hopefully you can come back and focus for another hour or two. I mean, at that age, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Katie, I'd like to follow up with you later to find out how it is going. (laughs) Cause I'm really curious now as to how that, you know, how that does work. Um, Just because like I said, we usually work with the older kids and even with that, our six to 12th graders usually only are logged in for three to four hours a day max. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, and then the rest of the time they're spending doing that experiential learning and just going out and doing the stuff they love we encourage like go to the museum, like go places, like learn, learn stuff away from the computer screen. You know, yeah. we just think that's so valuable. And that's why we, we try to tell our students, like you shouldn't really be in front of the computer for eight hours. There's no reason for that. You can still meet your goals as far as the required coursework for the year in a shorter amount of time, and then still take advantage of all the extracurricular things that you want to do. 
So yeah, you're constantly learning. Like in the beginning of the pandemic, when we were doing the online school back like in March or April, um, my daughter was learning about plants. And I was like, oh, guess what? I'm not doing this work with you. Let's go buy some seeds and let's plant a flower and like watch it grow because that's fun. And that's something we can do together. But I can't spend five more minutes in front of a computer because at that point I'm working all day myself. Yeah. And and also at that point, I thought you'd probably be back in school in September. <laughs> so I really was like, I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, right. see, but like, yeah, that's the perfect example of that, like, uh, you know, hands-on experiential learning is, yeah, make it fun. And, and that was, you know, active and getting them outside. And I love that kind of thinking, because that is going to, you know, they're going to have enough time to be in front of a computer for eight hours when they're working adults and have a desk job, right? So exactly. let them enjoy their childhood, let them seize those opportunities to have the hands-on learning and feel that excitement because yeah, I'm sure like with, you know, your daughter planting the flower as she sees it grows, grow, she's probably like, Oh my gosh, I did that. That's awesome. Yep. Look yep. what I helped create, you know? And it just kind of gives that little boost of, wow, I participated in something bigger than myself, you know? Yeah. Do you guys have any research on, or just based on what you do or anything, um, periods of time. So like my, my son is going into sixth grade, so he's a little bit older, but like where after 30 minutes, I should let them take a break for 10 minutes. Like I think breaks are a really, really good idea, but do you know, like, is there a certain time limit where like your brain is just like pooped? Like, okay, after 45 minutes, kids usually aren't retaining information anymore. So build in breaks every hour. Like what's your advice there? Yeah. So, oh, so go ahead, Ann. Oh yeah. So we, we actually participated in a webinar um, that's from the curriculum provider we use. So they kind of gave us like some sample daily schedules. And so nice. for sixth to eighth graders, you know, you want to kind of set up a routine that kind of sets them up for, okay, now is school time. So whether that's like, you know, from eight to nine, they have mm -hmm. like time to eat breakfast, get ready and changing out of their pajamas is going to be huge because if they're you know, just in their pajamas all day, they're just going to be kind of mentally still like I'm in tired hangout mode. I'm not in productivity mode, you know, mm -hmm. so having them, um, you know, get dressed. And, and Sarah actually mentioned once that one of her friends has done homeschool for years and she has her students, you know, put on a backpack, walk out around the house and then come in the front door as if they're, you know, ready for school. So that was kind of their mental reset, you know, so whatever you can kind of do to get that mental reset of, okay, this was home, but now I'm at school mode. And so something simple like that. And then, you know, maybe for like 40 minutes in the morning, do math or English and then take a break for 20 minutes and then come back and do math or English for an hour, then take a break for another 20 minutes. So 40 minutes to an hour, I think is pretty, you know, focus on one subject for 40 minutes to an hour, take a 20 minute break and then do the next subject, you know? So yeah. And you can kind of find what works for your student and, and what's going to be the most productive for them. But I would say past that hour mark, they probably start losing that attention span yeah. a little bit. And so having that, you know, whether it's like, Hey, let's play a quick board game. Let's have a dance party. Let's go walk outside or, mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, hey, you're in sport, go practice volleyball for 20 minutes outside or whatever. You know, you can you can get creative with those 20 minute breaks to just break it up. And yeah. 
Yeah. I like what you said about the mental reset. I've had to do that with working from home. It's like the one day in the beginning of the pandemic, I didn't take a shower. (laughs) It was like the worst day ever. And I was like, okay, Katie, every morning, just like regular, you get up, you take a shower, you get dressed. You know, obviously you might not be wearing like a button down shirt or something, but you still have to get dressed and like have that because it is easy to fall into that trap when you're at home of being in your pajamas and things like that. I think that's a really good piece of advice I completely forgot about. So thank you. Yeah, it's, that's yeah. huge. I mean, even yeah, for us as adults, like you said, it's, yeah. like, it's a mental thing where <clears throat> I don't, you see all the memes going around and they're so funny, but it's like, oh, I had to do a load of laundry of like my pajamas so that I had work clothes ready for the week. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like your day pajamas and your night pajamas, but yeah. um, that's a thing. Yeah, that's really a thing right now. <laughs> it is totally. <laughs> Totally. But yeah, I just, I think there's definitely a mental shift when you, when you do that, when you have a schedule, um, it might not work for every family, but for the most part, um, putting, even if you have to post a schedule on the wall for, especially for the younger kids is like, they're used to the schedule. They go to school, you know, at eight o'clock to whatever, three o'clock every single day. And suddenly now it's their job to just figure out when and how to do school. Like, they they thrive on a schedule so help them come up with something that's going to work and um definitely come up with the the break schedule as well um it's easy for us from as working from home to just kind of let work spill into our home life and yeah. there's, it's all blurred and then sometimes you just aren't very productive at all because you're trying to do work and all of a sudden oh my laundry just you know went off i got to go change that and um everything just kind of blends together and i think there is something to be said for um, keeping things contained. So whether you're going to a separate office space in your home to do the schoolwork, um, or if it's just that mental shift, like Anjali said, of putting on the backpack, getting ready. And um, now, you know, this time from this time, it's, it's school time. And then you can take a break and, you know, do whatever you want, take lunch, whatever it is. But um, if you can have those physical spaces separate, great. If you can't, then definitely try to keep at least the the mental two different mental yeah. spaces separate i think that's a really good idea so separate spaces mental or physical lots of breaks healthy snacks so i'll just throw that one in there even though my kids are still working on that piece is there <laughs> any <laughs> other <laughs> aren't we all yeah <laughs> is there any other major advice or other tactics that you guys use to help navigate online i think for parents um just also keeping that open line of communication with the mm, teachers mm-hmm. and with your student. Um, but knowing what the expectations are and not being afraid to communicate with the teacher. Cause like, like you said before, they're kind of figuring this out too. Um, but I think it's important to keep up on what the student's supposed to be completing during the day. So you can help support that. But in the end, still let the teacher do the teacher's job. Um, yes. And you're in the end, you're the parent. So offering support for your student is great, but, you know, let the teacher do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and along the lines with, you know, kind of setting up a schedule that works for your family, I think, you know, like we mentioned before, every student learns differently. Every student has different strengths and different subjects they're good at. So you can also kind of tailor the schedule around, okay, well, when they're the most focused, whether that's mm. in the morning or in the afternoon, let's have them focus on the subjects that are maybe a little bit harder for them so that their mental capacity can handle it. You know, because if that's you, good advice. Yeah, it's like because if you push off, oh, I'm terrible at math. <laughs> but I, 
that I can't focus very well in the afternoon. Okay. Maybe that's what I need to hit first thing in the morning, you know? Yeah. And so it's going to be the same for kids. Like whenever their attention span is great and they struggle, like, yeah, where, where their mental capacity is the highest to have them be able to focus their energy on where they need to. So I think that's huge as well. That is killer advice. Okay. So I'm, let me regroup for myself. <laughs> so different physical spaces, lots of communication breaks. And that's a really good idea. Like tackling, like figuring out the best time of day and like kind of getting in that flow on what subjects are going to hit when. All right. I'm winning. I hope everybody's enjoying this. <laughs> I'm, I'm fully doing this for myself now. <laughs> <laughs> but we all need it. I know we all yeah. need it. And we're all struggling because even my other friends who are still working, you know, I can share this and help them and everyone who's listening. I know that they need this or they know someone who does. Yeah. And one other thing before I let you ladies go um, and we wrap this up, what about confidence? Like what's your one big like takeaway, a quick heavy hitter on like helping kids if they are struggling with that one thing. So we say, Hey, the morning's your best time. Let's do it then. But is there one other thing that you guys use to help kids boost up their confidence? You know, I think, I think just knowing that they have an advocate is huge. You know, mm -hmm. if, if they, if they know that somebody's cheering for them, regardless of their abilities, you know, then that's, that's huge because if they can just know that, Hey, I'm seen and somebody's aware that I'm struggling with this and they're trying to help me. That's huge because I think a lot yeah. of times students feel, you know, especially teenagers, they're like, well, I have no place in this world. I don't know who I am. I'm figuring this out. You know, nobody cares about me. And just knowing that somebody cares, you know, so fostering those relationships and just helping them feel seen, I think is huge. And whether that's just giving them the space to say, this is hard. I really hate it. I don't know what I'm doing. And just listening is, is key. I think at least trying, I, to, trying to kind of get over good. the stigma of what we consider failure in our society mm, mm -hmm. and understand that the more times you fail, that's just a faster path to learning the right way to do it. So to just try, I know it's difficult for adolescents and kids to get over that, but try to get rid of that stigma of being afraid to fail. Yes. That's really, really good. Well, thank you, ladies. This is great, great advice. I'm like furiously taking notes so I can share with everybody and remind myself every day. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Thanks for having us, Katie. Yes, this thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much for today. I got so much out of this. Thank you, ladies. Have a great day. You, you too. too. We'll talk later. Bye. Bye. Thank you.